Let me pray, and then we're going to get into this, uh, a different segment in this series on family matters or family matters. Uh, and it's one that in the West, in the Western church, we don't concentrate on that much. And uh, it's, it's about spiritual disciplines. And I'll explain what those are in a minute. And many of them you already know, but we're going to highlight two or three that maybe you don't think about all the time. Uh, and I hope it will, you'll find it helpful, meaningful, and God-glorifying. So let's pray to God. Almighty God, we bless you for who you are, and thank you for what you do. Thank you for choosing us. You tell us that, that we are God's people, holy and dearly loved, that you have chosen us. Why? Because of your great love for us. And Lord, there are people in this world that don't know how much you love them yet. We pray that as a people, as your people here on the corner of Felch and 104th, that that, that, that you will give us opportunity to connect with one another, to connect with those in our neighborhoods, to connect with those in our workplaces, so that we might establish relationships and they might see who you are by who we are, because we are whose we are. Lord, these disciplines that we're going to talk about today, you know that you've created those to help, us, to help make us more the people you want us to be. So help me have the words to say the spirit to say them, the cadence to say them. And Lord, we ask that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you would have us see, hear, and receive, and that this be your message for us, not my message for them. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God, our Father. Amen. So I, those of you who know me know that I don't, I don't follow sports. I have a friend in from California that heard me. He walked out in the, in the, back in the house yesterday and and he heard me watching sports, and I was watching highlights of sports, so the best plays or the blooper plays, that kind of thing. So you don't often hear from me a sports analogy or a sports story or a sports illustration, but I'm trying to think of, of where we might have a connection to discipline, and I don't mean discipline like getting in trouble. I mean discipline like preparing yourself for something. So I'm just going to remind you that, uh, I'm remind myself, and, and I'm going to use a baseball analogy, but it, I think it tracks with softball, it tracks with football, it tracks with soccer, uh, it tracks with water polo, it doesn't matter, it, golf, any of it. Um, getting better at the game requires practice. It requires discipline. It, so I'm going to go back to my sophomore year of high school uh, with my coach, and I played when I wasn't pitching, and this before my shoulder went out of went out of socket. So I had a pretty good arm and I was often at third base. And I had in the first game of the year, I had a, a short hop that I kind of flinched at and it hit my shoulder and went, it, it was fair because it hit the ground and it hit my shoulder, but then it went off into foul territory. And the guy ended up getting a double out of it. Well, it was an error, but nevertheless, he got to second base and he ended up scoring. So the next, the next time, uh, Next time we had practice, the coach stood at the plate, and he put me at third base, and he hit 100 ground ball short hops with a fungo bat at me. And I learned not to flinch, and I had lots of bruises, but I didn't miss another short hop that season. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a, a good athlete. I certainly am not. I was the slowest guy on the team, by the way. I had two stolen bases my senior year. Both were passed balls. They hit the backstop, and I had to slide. And I, got, I did get thrown out one time on a force. It was a short one to, to left field, but they are right field. The guy in right field picked it up and threw me out at first. I'm a, I'm a slow man. Here works pretty good. Here doesn't work that great. But there's something about 
if you know that you want to do something better, you want to be more the person that you're made to be, it takes discipline. You have to, you have to take lots of ground balls in order to field the ground ball when the pressure's on. Uh, you have to be thinking all the time about what, what this person on first base might be doing. If you're a pitcher, you've got to be thinking about what this batter, if you've ever faced him before, what this batter might do well, and you've got to throw him off. And you've got to remember how you pitched to him last time so you don't repeat the same order. You don't want to be predictable. Same thing with golf, with putting. And Jim Fortney can tell you that I am no putter. Um, I can put the ball down, down range pretty good, and, and about half the time, I get my money's worth. I play the whole course. Um, but, but I don't practice at golf. And this year I haven't even been able to hold a, a golf club because my hands don't have any strength in them. But um, same thing is true with fishing. Same thing is true with cooking. Same thing is true with, with painting your house. Everything you do, if you work on it more and more, you're able to do it better and better. So when we hear of um, spiritual disciplines, the, the, the historic Methodist tradition would say that these disciplines are necessary to keep you from backsliding. And there's other things that you need to be disciplined not to do because those things might lead to backsliding. And uh, right here in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks about don't do this. Um, but I want you to understand, I, my, my, my intent is that you hear everything that we talk about today, you hear that your pastor has his eyebrows up, and I hope my tone is light. And those of you joining us online, there's going to be one that might, that might feel a little pokey. That is not my intent. Uh, I just want us to hear from Scripture what God tells us his people should be doing. And it's not, these aren't, this isn't all-inclusive. But there are some disciplines, there are some things that identify us as children of our Father, as people of the family of God. And he encourages us, Paul in particular, but, but throughout the scriptures, and I'll have lots of different verses that, that, that show you that it comes from all around, um, we're encouraged to, to do as much as possible on our, as far as it depends on us, to live a life that shows others who our God is. And so that is what our people do. So I'm going to start off with Ephesians chapter 5. It's not a long list of spiritual disciplines, but it does start with this. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Debauchery is either leading other people to sin or it just sucks you into the muck, into the mire. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be very careful how you live. Is, I don't other than driving or when it's icy on my driveway and I've got a snowblow or shovel, I don't, usually, I don't usually have the idea in my head, be very careful. I mean, I am getting to that age that it, when it's snowy out and icy out, it's just, oh, just don't fall, just don't fall, just don't fall. Because it used to be you could fall and it hurt for a minute and you get up and you go. Like uh, Pastor Kurt went skiing last year for the first time in years and, and he fell down hard. And it used to be that he'd fall down hard, he'd go, and he'd get up, you know, you yard sale it, all your equipment's all down. It took him weeks before he recovered from that thing. So I, I, I care, carefulness, uh, being very cautious 
is, is one thing to avoid danger, but he's saying be very careful how you live to avoid being sucked into what the world says you should, must, and you, and, and, and you want to do. We've talked extensively over the last year about God calls us to do not what comes natural to us. We're not to do what comes natural to us. We're to do what comes natural to God. And these spiritual disciplines help us know that and help us help remind us of who we are, whose we are, and how God's family should behave. So the first one I'm going to talk about that many of you know, you're very familiar with, and, and you could probably figure out, okay, here's the ones he's going to talk about. It's going to be prayer, worship, and giving. Well, we'll get to giving another day, but that's not, that's not what we're going to concentrate on now. But, but 1 Thessalonians, to talk about prayer, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, one of the shortest verses in all of Scripture just says this. It is 5.17, yep. Pray continually. Always be praying is what that's saying. And I don't know how we do that specifically if we think of prayer as you can't do that continually, but you can have a mindfulness of God all the time. You can be when you're driving, when you're interacting with your spouse, when you're talking to your grandkids, when you're talking to your neighbor, um, when you're out here in the parking lot and someone stole your spot, whatever it might be, you can always be mindful of God and in a perpetual and ongoing conversation with him. It doesn't have to be these and thous and thous. It doesn't have to be your eyes closed. And there, we should be doing that. We should be uh, humbling ourselves before the Lord, bowing our heads and talking to God and asking him what he wants. But we can also be praying continually. We can be walking and talking and knowing and loving God day by day, minute by minute. And that is something we're all familiar with. But it's a, it's a discipline that it's easy to just let slide. A friend of mine, um, lives in Grand Rapids, uh, had a difficult time, had, had COVID, it was bad, um, and uh, just kind of lost hope in his own personal life because of all the lockdowns, and he was working from home. Uh, he, 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 he'd been divorced years ago, and uh, he just lost the desire to pray. And when he took it back up, finally, when he realized, I, I don't want to pray, but I just need to pray, the hunger and the thirst for being connected with God returned. And, but it took discipline to start it. So there's an old saying, we talk about this with marriages, um, in marriages, when premarital in particular, um, that if you don't feel love for your spouse, act like you did. I married my wife because I was in love with her, but sometimes I love her because I'm married to her. And that sounds like a negative thing, but it is not. Because my vows were, I promise to love and honor you and to share with you all that is to come for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, through laughter and tears. I will be faithful to you as long as our lives shall last. But notice the, the better or worse, richer or poorer, sickness and health, laughter and tears. I'm not always feeling like I did when she walked down the aisle at our wedding. <laughs> I'm not always get, I don't always have girl stomach. Um, but there are times, and there's times when I'm irritated, not because Lynn isn't practically perfect in every way, but because I'm a fallen human being. But my decision to, to keep my vows is to love her no matter what. I need to behave as if I loved her, whether I feel the love right now or not. Same thing is true with prayer. I need to behave as if I'm a prayerful person, whether I feel like praying or not. And if God seems silent, I need to continue to seek God. The saying that we, that we say sometimes in premarital is, I can more quickly act my way into feeling differently than I can feel my way into acting differently. 
Sometimes if you're feeling dry in prayer right now, with all of these disciplines, if you feel like, nah, if you do it, some of the passion will return after a time. But if you wait for your passion to be there before you participate in the discipline, the work of God in his people, being very careful how you live, if you wait for your feeling to return before you practice these, these, these calls of God, then you won't practice them. And you know this in your life. You know this when you're, if someone's preparing for a marathon, they have to run every day. And the days that they do take off, it's so that their body can recover. But the, the discipline that's necessary to get yourself from couch to half marathon or marathon, it's a year process for most people. And to get yourself from, from someone in need of redemption to being someone redeemed, it takes no effort on our part because God does the redeeming. But if you want to go from someone who is unsanctified to someone, we talked about all those, these things this summer, that what sanctification is, the process by which God uses to not leave you the way you are. He loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. These spiritual disciplines are our, God is responsible for our sanctification, but they are our participation in the work that God is doing in us. Second one is worship. You're familiar with this. Those of you that are here, those of you that are joining us online, you're familiar with this. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Now, again, worship is not something that only happens corporately, but it does happen corporately. We'll talk a little bit more about why, why God wants us to gather together. But worship is, my favorite word for worship in the, in the New Testament is proskuneo. You've heard this before, but it, it just means to lean forward in order to kiss. And it comes from the same word used to describe a dog licking the dog's master's hand. And we go, that, eh. but think about it. Why, why does the dog lick its master's hand? We had uh, my daughter's dog who became our dog that now is Will Baker's dog. Moose was back with us this last weekend because uh, uh, last weekend through Tuesday because Will was at a conference and um, we used to pay him to watch our dog. He didn't pay us to watch his. <laughs> but Moose was back in the house and he remembered all those weird little routines that we have. Like when, I, when Lynn can get kind of caught up in uh, whatever we're watching on TV, she usually goes to bed before I do, but she can get caught up. She, even in the morning, if I had the news on, she has to leave. She's got her backpack ready and she's, and she's walking out the door and the weather comes on. And I have to turn the TV off to snap her out of it. So Moose had picked up on that for the years that he lived with us. And I would take the little thing on the, what I use an Apple TV to watch television with, and I double click it and I'd flick it up so to make the program go away. And it would make this little sound, Dong! Moose knew. Then when he hears, it, we're going to stand up, and I'm going to walk Lynn up. I'm going to kiss her goodnight, and I'm going to come back down, and Moose worships Lynn just for the pleasure of it. He can't wait to be around her. He will sit outside of her door whenever and however she's moving around the house. Me, he ignores, and that was our deal. He leaves me alone. I let him continue breathing. <laughs> just, I'm just, it's a shtick. I'm just playing. But that lean forward in order to kiss, a dog will lick his master's hand just for the pleasure of it. Now, vets might argue that they need the salt that might be in the oils of your skin, but it's still not something that the dog dislikes. It's something that the dog loves. 
And so for us to worship continually, to do it in a setting like this with reverence and awe, but to always be pleased with God, even when difficulties come our way. And we have the, the right and the, and actually probably the obligation when things are hurting to cry out to God and tell him. But to perpetually be in a setting where we are thankful, worshipful, and hopeful because we know whose we are. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. To have a mindset of worship and awe all the time is a discipline that God wants us to not just practice, but to develop. It is difficult in our world today to look at it and think, God's got this. But imagine the change in your own spirit if when, when, when the stuff happens, you can go, great is our God. It is really hard to be angry at someone else when you're connected with the Most High God. That's number two. Number three, Bible reading. We know this. We're, we're always encouraged to be in our scriptures. Pastor Greg was phenomenal at this. He did a really good job of writing the Word of God on his heart. He, he just was, by the way, he's doing pretty well. I just talked to him yesterday. He's recovering from his back surgery quite well. Um, but but he, he, he would memorize whole chapters of Scripture, and it was glorious to watch, and it took discipline to do it. People go, oh, you just got a gift for it. He can just read it and memorize it. That's not true. It's not. Just like my wife has a gift for, reading, for playing music by ear, but she doesn't hear it once and then go, she has to, she's got to pick it apart. She's got to hear this particular thing, and then, then she can figure out how to play it on the piano. Um, same thing is true with Bible reading. If we don't read it, then we're not hearing what God wants us to know. The scripture that, that, to support this is Hebrews chapter, or excuse me, uh, Joshua chapter 1.8, Old Testament. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be, and we love this one, prosperous and successful. The word for prosperous here is a little bit different um, in Hebrew than it is when we think of it. We think prosperous means you just got a lot of money. Um, it was, it's kind of like that, that if you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you in the land that I'm going to give you. It's, 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 it's a promise that comes, and that's, that's prosperity. Things will go well. He's telling us right here that if we, if, we, if we ingest the scriptures, if we have a thirst for the word of God, a hunger for the word of God, it, it changes us. It's not just words that you memorize. It's promises and the will of God made known to creatures us. Another spiritual discipline is fasting. Many of you know that, that about four years ago, I really tried to start developing this. Part of it was for health reasons, but part of it was um, just, I thank you for bringing that down. You notice that it keeps hitting me in the eye. Um, I was going to bring it up, and then I decided that was an ADD moment. Now I'm doing it anyway. So this is going to get intense here a little bit in a minute, so I'm just trying to lighten the, lighten the mood a little bit. Um, Fasting, Joel chapter 2, verse 12 says, even this is how God's calling his people back. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Now, the people in Joel's time had, had, had drifted hard. But there's something to fasting. And I'm not, I'm not telling you that you should, if you, if you have type 2 diabetes, it might not be good. It might do you harm. It, but talk to your doctor. Because there's something about saying no. Jesus says we do not live on bread alone. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. There's something, that, that there's something to the fact that God wants us 
to, 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 to be without on purpose so that when we're hungry or when we're thirsty, we remind ourselves to turn to him. It's another way of practicing prayer, worship, and Bible reading. There's something to saying no to what my body wants so that I'm saying yes to what my soul wants or doesn't want but should want. So I'm not going to get into that one too much further. Maybe someday we'll get into one. And the, the, the things that I've learned over the last four years, uh, longest fast I've ever done is 120 hours with nothing but water. Doug and I just did that um, right before Easter this past year and or during this year. And it's amazing what you can do if you decide you're doing it for the Lord. And it's amazing what the Lord does in you when you're devoting yourself to him. So we'll talk more about that another day. I will tell you this, that when Synod coming up next week in Phoenix, that I and, I and some others are going to be fasting until I know that Doug is on the ground as a delegate in Phoenix. So if, if you're interested in joining in that, we're going to have a couple of days. Um, you Feel free to email me and I'll tell you what we're doing and you can decide what you say yes to and what you say no to if you're interested in, in, in preparing. I'm interested in preparing my spirit so that I can be very prayerful for the synod and the decisions that are or are not coming um, Thursday through Tuesday, this next Thursday through the following Tuesday. Gathering. Now this is the one that, that if you're at home, and you're not back here um, in person. I talked to several people this week, and there's all kinds of reasons. Completely understand. But Scripture says this. Hebrews 10, 25 says, let us, or 25 through 26, and 20, it might be 27 too. Um, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. This is a spiritual discipline to gather together. And there are reasons that people have right now. Some people have chronic lung issues. Some people have all kinds of, 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 I think they're called comorbidities, but all kinds of reasons that they can't get this virus. I know that one dear friend of mine went to her, his, his wife went to her allergist when this thing started and said, if you get this disease, it will kill you. A friend of mine that, that I fish with, that's a member of this church, um, major lung issues. If he gets this thing, it's not, he won't, he won't make it a, more than a couple of days probably. So I'm not in any way saying that you need to risk your life to come back here. But I am saying this to all of us. We're not complete without you here. The body of Christ, you are part of it. You are part of this body. You are part of this body. And I don't know God as well as I could if, I, if you're not part of this body. And you don't know God as well as you could if you're not part of this body. And I'm not saying that you're not part of it by being at home. I am saying this. I had a friend years ago, her name was Jackie, and um, she was at my former church, and she stopped going to church for a long time. And on Facebook, and I'm not on Facebook anymore, it's been years, but on Facebook, she was like, everyone, all my friends, are Christian friends are telling me I need to go to church. I'm like, why? And, and everyone's like, well, that's because the Lord tells you must. And my response in a, in a private message was just because they need you. They won't know God as well as they can without you being there because you are made 
and gifted to be the person God has made you and gifted you to be. And the body of Christ cannot be full and whole without all parts of the body and all the gifts being expressed. Now, it is really easy in our day and age to just sit on the couch and watch. It's also necessary for many, and it was necessary for all of us for a while. But I will say this. I've not talked to one person who was gone for a long time that once they came back, those that shared with me, that didn't say something like this. I had no idea how disconnected I felt until I reconnected. There is something good for each of us when we gather together to worship God, to be in fellowship with one another, and to walk with one another, spurring one another on to love and good deeds. Confession, Proverbs chapter 28, 13 says, he who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Self-examination, this is one we don't love. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. I'm going to concentrate on this one and one other briefly. Um, examine your, th- this is scripture. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do you not realize that Christ Jesus lives in you or is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. I think it's a wise thing to do. Every so often, and I don't, I don't believe that I can lose my salvation. I, I'm, I'm, I don't. But I do know that there are times in my life when I know I've drifted. And it's, upon, it's only upon self-examination when I go, I am not the person I want to be. And I'm certainly not the person God wants me to be and who, who he made me to be. So examining myself and confessing that to God instantly reconnects me with God. If I've walked away a long way and I feel like it's a long way back, it's not because he's been walking right behind me, letting me drip. But as soon as I stop, repent, confess, turn around, he's right there to embrace me. And then the walk back is with him. It's not alone. So it's a wise thing to examine yourselves. Also told and encouraged to consecrate ourselves, which means to set ourselves aside, clean ourselves up, set ourselves aside to receive from and to be in service to God. It's what they named uh, Isabel, Elise, and Elizabeth. They all mean consecrated unto God. We're told here in uh, Joshua chapter 3, uh, verse 5, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. We've practiced some of this in the last year when we're preparing for communion. We're telling people, we tell you that, that next week we're having communion and it's a good time to examine yourselves. It's a good time to, to, to rid yourselves of things that are not of God so that when you come to the table, you're connected with God and with his people. So that's both examining yourself and consecrating yourself. Sabbath rest. You all know the commandment. But here in, in Exodus chapter 34, verse 21, it says, Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and even during the harvest, you must rest. Something about this that as Americans we don't like, especially good Dutch work ethic people, we don't like the idea of being good for nothing. But I'm going to tell you, God has never wavered on it. Work six days, rest one. It tells God you trust him. And it reminds you that you're not nearly as big a deal as you think you are. Reflect on God. This is holding every thought captive. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
How often do we get caught up in things that are not like this? How often do we let a brain worm, I call it stinking thinking, something, that, a thought that's negative, or, or, or I don't just mean negative, like, um, like I'm just going to be a big positive thinker, but, but there are things that are not of God or feelings that, that, that this is what most people must think of me and all that kind of thing. They can get in my head and it, and, and, and it, it leads to bitterness or anger or, or, or insecurity. When if God tells me that if I, if, if I hold on to what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what's lovely or admirable, excellent or praiseworthy, the brain chemistry changes. When I hold those, those wrong thoughts captive and I say, nope, you don't get, you don't get time. You don't get, you don't get to live in my head rent-free. And I start remembering who God is and who he says I am and what he wants me to do. It doesn't just change my mind. It actually changes the chemistry within my body. And it makes the, the stress that could do harm, it opens my blood vessels. No kidding. And it makes it so that the stress is actually preparing me to be the person that God wants me to be. Every Sunday morning when I sit right there, I'm nervous as I can be. And I have to remind myself, I'm dependent on God. It's up to God whether this, all I got to do is be faithful. It's up to God whether this is going to be helpful or not. And so the nerves turn into anticipation, which make it so that it's actually my body's way, those negative thoughts are my body's way of preparing me, getting my blood pressure up a little bit, preparing me to be fully focused on what God has called me to do. There's, it's brain science and it's body chemistry. If we hold our thoughts captive, God is not just saying only think nice things. He's saying, I want my people to be people that, that are about purity and about goodness and about excellence and about all of these things. So if we think about them, it changes how we behave, and it changes how we experience life. Two more, giving. It's one of the spiritual disciplines. Second Corinthians 8, 7 says this, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Using your gifts. First Peter 4, 10 says, each one of you, or each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I don't think most of us think of our gifts that way, our spiritual gifts, what we're good at, what, what, what makes our heart beat hard in a good way. I don't think we normally see it as, as uh, this is a way that God uses to lift other people up. We usually think, well, it's something I like to do, so I'm just going to do it. But God actually administers his grace through how he has gifted you. And that's why I say that if we're not all together, if you're part of this body of Christ and you're not here, we don't get to be the people that God wants us to be completely because we're not whole. And if you don't use your gifts that God has given you in the service of others, then God, the ministry of God, the grace of God, the, the ministry of reconciliation that is the church is not complete. So these are just a list, and it's not an all-inclusive list of spiritual disciplines, but I would encourage you today to examine yourselves, to consecrate yourselves, and if you cannot gather with God's people at least have a plan, some check marks that need to happen so that you know you're moving toward being with instead of, I'm just going to be alone. That is not God's desire for you. And right now it might be what you must do. But he doesn't want you there forever. 
doesn't want any of us there forever. And there are ways to gather with God's people that isn't all corporate, but is just a few. Those are all good. But there's something to be said for gathering with God's people, loving God together, and therefore God loving us through each other. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for who you are and that you give your people, your team, routines and disciplines and ways to practice what it means to be your child, to be your family, to be your people. So Lord, remind us that we are our people and we are your people and you are our God. We worship you, we praise you, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.